Welcome to the Pod Bay Door. Greetings, travelers. This is the Pod Bay Door, your source for honest info on the newest tech, movies, games, and of course, our base of operations, Las Vegas, Nevada. Sit back, relax, and have some fun, and maybe gain some interesting and useful information along the way. You can find us on iTunes Podcasts at the Pod Bay Door, as well as our YouTube channel at the Pod Bay Door Podcast, or any of our favorite podcasts or your favorite podcast apps. Thanks for tuning into the show. Hey, keep hitting those subscribe, like, and download buttons, and look for us on all of your favorite social sites. Your Pod Bay crew today, of course, is Sam, Adam, and Jamie. Hey, guys. What's going on, guys? How's it going? How you doing? The crew and I are on location this week and very excited to be at the Indie Film Factory. And we are joined by director and film producer Kelly Schwartz. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's great. Kelly has numerous film credits under his belt, including feature films. His newest is the horror sci-fi film Alien Domicile. We're going to talk to him about this film, his past projects, and upcoming productions. We will also get his take on the local and global indie scene, as well as the new streaming opportunities. And finally, we're going to pick Kelly's brain on monetization, new levels of production marketing, and how films are getting seen by the new group of film buyers like Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. Hey, everybody, keep those comments coming and show suggestions coming in. We love them all. I try to put some in uh, every show, and we definitely have some for today. Uh, and uh, the, the, the questions, of course, are bringing up stuff Adam says. Uh, very controversial. Hey, I got strong opinions. What do you want? I know. Joe John, uh, 54, uh, wrote, uh, stick to your guns, Adam. Spider-Man is the best. And uh, thank you, Joe John, 54. <laughs> Keep up the good work, pod crew. Yes, we, we're going to try. We, we're having a great time doing this. And uh, uh, I'll give one comment, and then, Adam, you can talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man, uh, what, 96 is coming out. 96. Uh, the, the retired years. <laughs> yeah, we're going to just paint the rascal the, uh, blue the and red. Years. But he's young now again. And he's going to shoot the webs out of the, with, his, with a boat. It's pretty cool. Does, 17. He, does he get the uh, senior special? Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. oh, 55 and older. Spider-Man okay. hits the Mandalay Bay buffet. Now, Adam. Uh, uh, the new Homecoming, right? That's the new film. Homecoming, yeah. And uh, it's, um, uh, I agree. It looks better. It, it definitely looks better. I, I think that the young man that is playing Spider-Man now is, um, uh, I think he has more, or he's allowed to have more character now. But I think there is still, as you said, Adam, a problem with the Sony-Marvel split. Yes. Uh, a problem, but it's also a good thing, you know. Spider-Man's coming home to Marvel. I know you got some some Disney things. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. but Marvel is you know gonna make this right. You know, yeah, making this character, around. yeah, making this character back to what he's supposed to be a little younger, a little funnier. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And they let's can make, hope so. Yeah, let's thank hope you. So. And they can make as many spin-offs or, or reboots as they want. I don't care. I like them all. Uh, Did you, you know. see the uh, article? How Sony on the backside also wants to relaunch or they want to launch Venom. Uh, radar Venom, sure, because they saw what happened with uh, Deadpool and hey, Logan. Ra- yeah, Radar and now Everyone's are, jumping on the radar train, yeah. so I think that's a new trend now. Sure. 
for the mm. next couple of years coming up for sure is definitely that. You're going to see some Combo darker comic great. book movies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think so, but I think Spider-Man, you know, nobody wants to see Spider-Man cursing around the city of New York. No, but that's why he's going to stick to uh, to Marvel and Disney. They'll yeah. they'll do the the light humorous thing and and then DC can stick to the the serious and the, and the dark tones, you know. Which yeah. is great cuz I love DC too. We'll get to that on the next one. Right. Now, now a uh, uh, last thing about that now, uh, pardon my ignorance. Now, Sony and Marvel, Sony has given up the the franchise? No, no, they didn't no. give it up. They it's on loan. Technically, it's the best way to explain right. it. It's on loan. It's on loan. So Spider-Man himself, he's on loan to Marvel for uh, two films, a feature, okay. a sequel, and appearance in Infinity Wars. So it's so it's almost it's a, it's akin to what they do in Britain, uh, English soccer league. You can actually like Arsenal can loan out a player. A player. Yeah, okay. kind of very, so, very yes, much so. Yes, okay. perfect, yeah. that's perfect. We'll explain it. Um, he's loaned out. And the thing is, after these three little situations are done, supposedly Sony's going to take them back. But I'm sure once Sony sees the money in on the backside of all this, they'll, they'll let Marvel hold it on for just a little bit longer. Got you know it, I mean? got yeah. it. All right, well, DC rules them all. Right? Is that how it's spelled? I think so. That is it. Uh, yeah, uh, rules, uh, the, rules them all. Rules them in, all. Yes. Well, I don't think it's the mall. Yeah, yeah no. it's probably not a little girl. <laughs> um, uh, you guys seem to be a Marvel crew. It, true and why? Um, well, my, my T-shirt aside today. Uh, yeah, see, he wore Captain America and see, I wore Superman. So. I no, I love it. These... We like them both. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ke- Kelly, what are you? This you're, is my you're... superhero costume, right. my, my <laughs> logo. Indie, we'll play, we'll indie play. film guy. This <laughs> <laughs> so um, Halloween costume. Well, Kelly, what are you? What, what, what? You know, and, I mean, and why do you why do you like them? So, so you know, I grew up with Batman. I grew up with uh, Superman, of course. Uh, I, I've always, I think, assimilated to Batman a little bit more. Okay. You know, because he had to work harder for his superpowers. Sure. Okay. And he he's needed just, technology. He's just a rich guy. Okay. He's just a rich guy, yeah. you know. Now, on a filmmaking level, because you're the, you're the one sitting here that's done them, what, what, where, who do you think is putting out um, what you like? Do the DC people, do you, do you like Snyder? <laughs> do you like, I mean... Uh, it's, a great, it's a great question. I mean, look, I, I would say that DC has done a tremendous job with, with some of the franchises that they have. But, you know, Marvel, Marvel is also, I think, uh, set the bar high. Sure. Yeah. In terms of production value, where you can take these Absolutely. these stories and these storylines and connect them and, and work them in different directions, you know, I think it's yeah, incredible. For, for years apart to stretch these stories out. I think I think with Marvel, they have, they have it done pretty well. As in, it's all formulated. They have a formula. They're sticking to it, and they have their phases, so they're falling along. Yeah. Uh, DC is still trying to find their footing. So some things they do seems drastic, but the thing is, they're trying to catch up. Well, Marvel's the first studio to really consider the big scope of things, you know, yeah. and really have a, a game plan and, you know, connect these movies together, you know, and DC's well, th- trying to, 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 you know, claw their way up yeah. and try and do the same thing. Well, I think uh, you're right on one factor. They were first. First is sure. important, yeah. especially. You get the, get the content out there and get people talking about it. But, but all right, I'll do it quickly. Uh, Marvel, DC. Sam. DC. Marvel. I'd say Marvel. I say DC. Okay, I was Superman growing up. Although I, you know, I love Spider Man. He's probably my second favorite, but right. uh, DC. Well, you're you're fired. <laughs> so are we both fired? I guess. Yep. Yes. Down to just you two then. Well, Kelly knows uh, what he's doing. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Gamer Dave seventy five wrote, "Give um, games a larger part of the show." Uh, absolutely, uh, we yeah. will. Um, you know, subjects just come when we're doing the rundown. Subjects come to us, and uh, you know, they're they're current. We try to stay with the contemporary, uh, you know, the knowledge and, and societal, uh, you know, what, what people are talking about. But uh, games are a huge part of it, and uh, we definitely are. In fact, uh, we got we have some 
uh, talk today uh, in the nerd alert, so we will definitely deal with that for sure. Uh, but um, uh, in fact, uh, we well, we talked about what, uh, Mass Effect. Mass Effect, yeah, Mass we'll Effect get into it for Andromeda. sure. Because you know, I'm a gamer, you know, deep down to the core. Yeah. Um, now so. I noticed Mass Effect put out a patch. They did. It was a huge patch, actually, yeah. and it actually has fixed a, fixed a few little like yeah. techie things that they've messed okay. up. So it's it's getting better. Kelly Gamer, give it that. are you a gamer? No, no time. Absolutely you have not. Children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I have like Assassin's Creed One, okay, like the very first one that came out. You know, but, on but PlayStation. Did you see the movie? No, I haven't even seen the movie. No, no, okay. no, no. They're talking about its sequel already. I don't really? know. Really? Was it? Was it I haven't seen it. Well, wait, I, I heard got, it was kind of like greenlit for a sequel. Already? How's that possible? It wasn't great, right? I saw the movie. Uh, Storyline was construed, but as for the special effects and action itself, was actually good action. The only thing I couldn't stand was uh, I'm really picky when it comes to accents and Fassbender. Was he all over the place? His Espanol had a lisp, so it it killed me. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Now he could have been speaking Castilian with the, you know, like uh, Ibiza. (laughs) So, so you know, it's entirely possible. I doubt it. He's gone that far into his acting. I I, I doubt it. But uh, uh, well, thank you so much, everybody, for all your questions. Keep them coming in, and uh, we'll get you on there uh, as as much as we can. Uh, It is time for the nerd alert. Alert. All right, so we're going to jump right into the game section uh, and talk a little bit about the Nintendo Switch. Um, yes. You know, I, I Hands had, on. had the chance to go to my buddy's house and play a little bit of the Zelda game. I'd like to give it, a shout out to Jose. Yeah, Thank you Jose. for hosting us that night. Yeah, it was great. It was beautiful. Uh, the controller was nice. I didn't expect that. Uh, Sam, what do you think? Because I know you were like sold out immediately. I, I was sold immediately on the fact, the, the transition, because as you, as you saw on Sunday, when we put on WrestleMania and he pulled the panel off, and hand us the, the switch yeah, it itself. Goes right to the a transition. Tablet. Yeah. There was no loading screen. You jump right in, you start playing, yeah. you pick up right away. So it, it felt weird being able to play play the switch and Rus- and, and the, watch WrestleMania at the same time. And no time. Real difference in quality either <laughs> when you went from the big screen to the tablet. Yeah. So the it was tablet, pretty impressive. I was impressed. The tablet itself, um, it was high quality, it was durable. Mm, felt like, good. It felt good in my hands. Like I, f- I felt like I wasn't going to break it. It wasn't dainty at all. There was and heftiness. Sam's a big guy. Yes. And that, I'm sure, it didn't feel too bad in your hands, right? No, it didn't feel no, small. No. It feels nope. like it's a it was good perfect. size. Yeah. And the sound was good, too. The sound was really strong for, for a small device like that. Uh, HDMI? Does it HDMI into something? Yep. It does. Because okay. the main port itself, yeah. HDMI to your TV. It's got its own little docking so you're, station. You're good to go. I, I, Have I, you seen this? I've seen it. Yeah. I've just never, I've not seen it physically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, gameplay, and of course, is the problem that they don't have any games. That's always the problem. Well, on launch, problem? on launch date, yeah, you never really have. Like you, you have like the one major title. In this case, it was it was Zelda, like yeah. anime tennis or something. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. See, that was the best part of the Wii was the tennis game, but that yeah. was. But I think <laughs> it was. Yeah. I think with, with Zelda, you're good enough for a while. Because yeah. the thing is, uh, with this Zelda, the best mm-hmm. way to explain it, it's Zelda mixed with GTA. By that I mean like it's open <laughs> world. You you can and grab horses, clobbering people, and yeah. slapping yeah. horns. <laughs> you can kind of get there, I guess. I mean. <laughs> It, the game was so in depth. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a horse out there in the wild. You can actually walk up to it and tame the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's interactive. You can hunt all day for mm-hmm. food, and then chop down. Yeah, a tree. you can make your own meals there's, and stuff. There's all kinds of little mini games and okay. weapons it, galore. It's, wow. It was actually. It, it, it's um. I like to say there's a lot of fan service. Don't you think? The the gameplay, sure. the music itself, like yes. it just takes you back to that magical time of Ocarina of Time. You go back to the castle sure. too, and the layout is pretty identical. The only thing is the graphic is ten times better. 
So I got to ask this. So are they going to bring new games coming in or what? Oh, yeah, definitely. Are there there anything slated? Sure, Mario Kart. Um, Mario Kart. uh, Coming out this month, I believe. Mario Kart's Um, coming out. uh, Mario Party. And then what's that other Mario open world one? Um, uh, Like a Mario Galaxy ripoff. I forget what it's called. But he's like in the real world walking around. Yeah, he's the only one that looks... So. <laughs> like Mario, when everyone else looks a little weird. Um, I've got the actual name for him. I'll, I'll, I'll look up right now at the Switch so, games. So here's the scene. We got Sam. We got with Sam with the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Kool-Aid Doritos in his underwear yep. watching WrestleMania. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> on the big screen. All right. With the Switch All on right. his stomach, you know, and he's just hanging out. Everybody listening, sorry about that vision. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's like eight, eight, other eight uh, of us, too, so we're all there hanging out. All right, well, let us know, Sam. In your underwear, right? Oh, yeah. In your underwear. Uh, b- boxer briefs. Okay, that's <laughs> cool. Fair enough. <laughs> a little more classy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Adam. All right, moving on from the Switch. Uh, <laughs> let's go into something that's, that's dying, the, the, the VR. We, we haven't really seen much uh, in the way of sales for VR, it's kind of um, kind of plateaued, I think. Well, the phone um, thing the was version, silly to me. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It's, yeah. it's not it's not Did real you, kind yeah. of VR. I, I put those things on, yeah. Yeah. but uh, no, they're, I, I don't like them. Yeah. It's a little jarring. Um, it's it's not what we kind of want as our VR. You know, it's, it's like Star Trek fans. You know, we're thinking like mm-hmm. you know hol- holodecks and all that kind of stuff. We're this is like version one, and it's really just not uh, it's not up to snuff yet. I don't mm-hmm. think. I, I think it's working so, there. The problem was it's um, expensive too. So. Yeah, because I was reading yeah. the I sent you the article for uh, MIT. They're doing a review on the VR. The situation they're running into right now is the fact that um, there's high supply but very low demand. Uh, this past holiday season, mm-hmm. they they looked at sales and it was pretty rough because the VR for your computer system itself it's ranging between eight to seven hundred bucks, you know, in that ball field. While and that's pl- not including the computer system yeah, you need to run it that has to match you know? the VR oh, right. itself because yeah. your computer's not strong enough. Then yeah, there's no point in buying the VR. And then the uh, VR for the PlayStation was ranging in the uh, four hundred dollar ballpark, and the problem is there's enough content. Because everything's mm-hmm. PlayStation exclusive, but then it doesn't have all the other stuff that's available on your uh, VR for your computer or even the VR for your cell phone. It's not going to match up. The problem is there's not, not enough content. It's expensive. And the supply f- or the demand for it isn't high it's enough. super low. I yeah. did see something cool recently. Uh, it was on a, on a, God, I think it was IndieWire. And it was a multi-directional treadmill while, uh, while in mm-hmm. VR. Which, yeah. which is, which, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, which, which, which I think is fantastic, and of course lends to the, the the validity of the whole concept. However, I think initially it's kind of funny if you think about it, because I'm sure it's a lot like the hoverboards. Unless you're on it and ready to go, and, and a 16 year old gamer, <laughs> you're flying off that thing sure. first couple times. Are we talking about the regular hoverboard or Back to the Future hoverboard? Don't tease me, because <laughs> that hoverboard from Back to the Future, I'm still hoping. Well, no, they the, well the, the the actual hoverboard, they've got a maglev technology, but it's just it's yeah, too expensive. Sure. But no, but this multi-directional treadmill, no, I saw a kid on it. It's kind of like a. a, a, a Kind of a treadmill, but it's got a dip in it, right? Yes, and you can exactly. kind of run in yeah. place, right? Yeah, but it's got bars. I mean, you can you can reach out for the bars and not eat it. Well, see, that's the thing. Was I so I I you know I've been with uh, uh, you know the different technology companies that I've worked with, and I've seen this this stuff in its demo state. Right. And I always thought, like you know, if you wear those things, you're like bumbling around and bouncing yeah, in the right. walls and stuff. So you need some type of platform that keeps you kind of consistent. Yeah. So you're not getting so you hurt. Kind of know where you're at, yeah. right? In, in but, the regular. But for me, it's like the, it's like the 3D goggles. I mean, for me, it's about I wear glasses. You know, there's no escaping it. So so mm-hmm. like putting those other things on my face, mm-hmm. they're a bit intrusive sure. and they're heavy. And I get headaches when I have like weight 
I don't know about you guys. Yeah, sure, yeah you got so I get headaches. Yeah. You know, so even like when I'm watching like a 3D movie, like if there's something like on the bridge of my nose, it just like it pinches, I get a headache. So for me, I think, you know. That's you got to find a more comfortable way yeah. to pro- uh, progress it and Well, visualize. I, I think it needs to step up or it's going to go to the way of the Dodo. I mean, I know Real D, and I've actually worked with and for Real D. Great company. Um, I just don't know what's left because like you said, there, there's, a, there's a discomfort and an almost inconvenience in theaters to put the glasses on. Uh, and at the end of the movie, you say, well, I, I was guess... Was it worth the other $5 or $10? You guys were the jerk. Remember that movie, The Jerk? Oh, sure, yeah. With, uh, where, you know, yeah. they had the invention, everybody's yeah. walking around their eyes crossed like this, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's what I, I think is going to happen. There's going to have some, like, long-term studies, like, yeah. 20 years from now. There's going to be, like, these class action lawsuits. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. blinding everybody, this 3D technology, right? <laughs> Carpal vision. Yeah. That's right, that's right. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Adam, I know the next subject is coming up. Uh, sure. Both Kelly and I have wor- I've been had a pleasure of working within the CinemaCon realm uh, tell us about it, man. Uh, CinemaCon, I, you know, I, I haven't been to that event, but I did do Show West a few times while mm-hmm. I was in the theater business. Um, you know, it was a great time to see, you know, some new sneak peeks. Um, a lot of times they'll they'll actually show a few movies that aren't a really specialty. Yeah, special treats. And uh, can we tell them about the one year that we went? You go for it. All right, this one year went right. Uh, Mr. Uh, Lucas himself showed up. It was uh, episode three, oh, okay. and we're sitting there, and it's like, oh, everyone here except for Star Wars? The whole room goes apeshit. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we lose it. We're all five years old again, and we're little kids, like, just drooling. So he shows a little clip, like, about five minutes. Oh, and everybody's going crazy. Yeah, they're, they're like, balls to the walls. So he says, uh, do you guys want to see more? And we're like, <laughs> yeah. Like He's like, hey, let me, let, me, uh, let me ask my friend real quick. And all I hear is the heavy breathing, the... The Darth Vader oh, breathing. Yeah. The Imperial March, you know, turns the on. The stormtroopers come they bring in. out the stormtroopers They line lines. up. Mm-hmm. Everyone stands to his side, and you see him march and coming on down. And he and he does that, the, the force, and, like, it shows up, and it shows another 15 minutes, and we just lost it. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. just went crazy. Now, if everybody listening doesn't know, CinemaCon uh, used to be called Show West, uh, and uh, it is actually primarily for... Vendors uh, of the of the cinema industry. It's not necessarily movie makers. However, obviously the crossover is huge. Um, it is for like Regal Cinemas and Century Theaters and and AMC and and everything else. So, but the, they of course have a huge crossover with uh, all these huge films, uh, and uh, um, it's it's amazing. I mean, Sam, uh, great story, and I was. Uh, uh, I was able to to meet uh, Robert De Niro when I when nice. I, and I was able to follow him around. I was photographing him, uh, and uh, and but go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, we've we've met a, a few big stars. You know, yeah. uh, we did a, a couple of movie premieres. Uh, yeah, it's great times. Yeah. Uh, I Plus, know. Uh, I like to check out the showroom floor because mm-hmm. they always get creative, more and more inventive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year that we went, they were introducing this uh, snack tray. So. It's a tray that sits on the soda pop holder itself that expands, so it rotates, you know, left to right, you know, about 180 degrees. It holds two extra drink and, like, your extra nachos (laughs) or whatnot. I'm like, this is getting crazy. And at that time, uh, folks were naysaying about the the seat feature, the reclining chair. Mm -hmm. That was, like, the beginning stages. You know, people were naysaying it, like, it's too expensive, it won't work out. And fast forward to now, 
Everyone's all doing the luxury it. theaters, yeah. Everybody's doing it's it. It's pretty much standard now. Oh, yeah. Yes. Most theaters now. I mean, you, I mean, it's if you sit, you go to a movie theater and it has the old seats, it's like, yeah. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't even rock back <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. Right. You. Yeah. Well, you know, I know stadium seating, you know, was the, was the big step forward yeah. uh, because uh, people are so much fun to see a movie with, aren't they? And then, oh, we <laughs> love people, right, Jamie? Oh, yeah, love them with the eating and the babies. and the, Yeah, sure. Or, or on their cell phone the whole time, snapping and texting. Yeah. Go, go somewhere else. Please, I, don't, don't do that when yeah, I'm trying to watch a movie. Don't make me say the M word. Oh, no, not again. Not mm. again. Do you know the other M word? No, what is it? Millennial. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're called yeah. millennials, unfortunately. No, I, don't, I don't believe you're, you're, you're past millennials. I, 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 despite what I may look like today. Are you Gen X? Uh, no, I'm not Gen X. I was born in 78, so what does that make me? That makes me. Uh, um, I think it's Gen X, isn't it? Is it Gen X? It is Gen X. Or are you oh, millennial? Well, no, no, I'm not no, millennial. No. Oh, well, just it's that roughly, range. roughly 10 years, and I'm 68. I'm not 68 years old. I'm 1968. <laughs> Clarify. We're on radio. <laughs> You're looking great, sir. You're looking great. I had a face for radio. Yeah, Captain <laughs> America shirt. But uh, 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 there's a show note here, and I, I keep wanting to hear about this. Valerian. I know nothing about it. What's going on? Well, we talked a little bit about this last time. Um, this is by a uh, French director, uh, Luc Besson, who, who also did The Fifth Element, um, you know, one of the classics growing up for me um, in the sci-fi genre. Right? With, which they're re-releasing during the Valerian. With Valerian, yes. yeah, 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 which is awesome. For two um, days. And this Valerian uh, is based off of a, a French comic book, uh, which is kind of like their Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a big deal. Now, now uh, but, but new cast, uh, relatively unknown. Uh, a little bit. Sort there's of. some. There's some kind of like. All right. So the the guy played uh, Green Goblin in the newest Spider-Man. Uh, and he was and, in a Cure for Wellness. And the girl was um, the Enchantress. The Enchantress in Suicide Squad. Mm. Um, oh, okay. So so like. So they're not well known, but they're not A-listers yeah. yet. They're they're on this the could, rise. This could push them to the top. You never know. So but the movie qual- looks beautiful. It like qualifies the, for for what I want to see in a film. Yeah, beautiful people action. and uh, explosions. And, and explosions. Yeah. That's all that's really necessary, right? It's not a Michael Bay movie, though. Yeah, so hell, you make films. Might that's actually all, that's all you do. Yeah, you're going to hate my movies. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, perfect. Let's, now, Valerian is out, not out. It's not, it's out. not, no, not no, out yet. Yeah. I think it's uh, July. Comes out possible. later. Yeah. Yeah. July. Okay. Something like that. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, well, Adam, thank you so much. That was a nerd alert, guys. Uh, we try to uh, catch up on all the nerd stuff. Uh, uh, you know what? I think we'll we'll stick oh, the game. Sorry, uh, you know, go ahead. Can I one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, this year was also a big year at Cinecon. They were actually discussing the idea, the birth digits of video on demand. By that, I mean the studios themselves were discussing the idea of possibly letting people rent movies mm-hmm. the day of the release in theaters. They were talk. They're discussing um, the 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 fact about how they pay a surcharge to get out in demand. Mm-hmm. But they're just trying to figure out the kinks of how to get people not to record. Don't you it. think that that would uh, do the purpose? opposite of what well, they've they been doing? Do that. They've been the experimenting theater. with that for yeah. a while. You yeah. know, so some of the minor studios have been playing with that that model for a while. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's how how long they can keep that window open. You know, mm-hmm. because your shelf life at, at most theaters now, or you'd be lucky to be a week, mm. you know, oh, unless, yeah, you're, unless you're, you know, clocking. So, so at the end of the day, it's about shelf life, you yeah. know, and if they can add at least a week onto it with a pre-release, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, interesting. And they'll, also, they'll pull it off. They'll, if there's money to be made, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. And also, a small little side note: uh, Shia LaBeouf broke the Guinness World Record for the, the biggest for opening weekend low, ever in the UK. Uh, by biggest, I mean eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, by it's the official. Friday, one movie ticket. Friday, last Friday in mm. the UK, he sold one ticket to a movie called Man Down. 
It was so bad, they were only able to sell one ticket, and it's been officially booked in the World Guinness record for the worst. Now, now is that one day, or is that like a weekend? Is that the whole run? Just for the opening what day. Was? Like, did it it's only run for day. like one day then? They're like, all right, this one's done. I, I have no idea how long it's still running for, but I mean, opening oh, day yeah. itself, he sold... One ticket. Feel mm-hmm. bad for the poor guy. Eight bucks. I, I don't because you reap what you sow. Shia, Shia, he, he played his hand. He he tried his hardest. Okay, even Stevens. Never forget, even Stevens. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. That was the nerd alert. Uh, well, I think we're gonna stick. Uh, you, know, you know, the games. I think we'll, we'll stick. Yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll, yeah. we'll get some games in next week. Uh, but uh, Las Vegas three. Well, I'll get through these pretty quickly because I want to get to Kelly. Um, uh, Las Vegas legend Don Rickles passed away, uh, and uh, yep. I, I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting him. Uh, he was a fantastic comedian and uh, a, a legend. He saw this town when I, I think it was still cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different kind of cool. Uh, you know, it's not as as sincere as it can be. But Don Rickles represented, um, I think, the a, old uh, Vegas. The, the, yeah, the old Vegas. A wonderful past, and uh, uh, he will be missed. So, so uh, well, thank yeah. you. Back in the day, he used to hang out with the Sinatra all the time. Absolutely. He, he, they were best friends. They would headline together. Absolutely. He was uh, one of the few guys that can actually keep Sinatra calm. No, little known fact. Yeah. Every time Sinatra so had a little too much throw of a that smile. Yeah. yeah. I, I do have a I do have a Don Rickles story. So yeah. so so Don Rickles uh, it was a friend of uh, a family member that I knew. Uh, actually, my, my friend his dad was was Buddy Hackett. And okay, so they, yeah. they had, you know, so obviously these guys grew up, you know, Whoa. it was part of the, the whole nice. group. Yeah. But I remember one day I was, I was with my friend and, and, and he got a phone call and it was Don Rickles and you could literally hear Don Rickles through <laughs> the phone and I'm sitting oh, there and it, so I, cool. I, you could I, tell who it was. Like, yeah. Like I was sitting next to him. And I'm like, that's, like that's, wait a minute. That's Don Rickles. You're talking to like Don Rickles <laughs> on the phone and you can yeah. just hear him on the, it was, you know, but yeah, you're right. I think he's, he represents the last of that, that, that era. That classic. That, oh, I you think know, so. yeah. and it's, it's sad, but you know, what an yeah. incredible career, what an incredible life. Well, I think preceded by the death of Debbie Reynolds. I mean, we're, yeah. we're losing, oh, yeah. we're losing mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the last bastion of class. I think, you know, I think it'll, it might return to us. I don't know. I, I see a few, you know, actors and, and, and uh, uh, entertainers that have it, but we'll see. But we're we're losing some great folks. It's it's a tough fight to bring yeah. back that class of Vegas because yeah. I, for one, myself appreciate that old school Vegas. Like I I love its style, its sincerity. It because back in those days they didn't have to take selfies constantly. They didn't have to feed mm-hmm. each other's ego constantly. People were just real. They were just legit. It, it, what you see is what you get. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But uh, Las Vegas is also the home of. Uh, um, oh good lord! We have copies of uh, of global restaurants <laughs> everywhere. We have all the, the famous chefs that come in for five right. seconds and then you know let it let it loose. But not to say that they're not fantastic. They're all good. If you're a foodie, this is a place to come uh, to at least you know have everything at your disposal. Uh, but we have three that have come in with with a with a giant footprint, and it kind of amazes me. One I don't know, Pollo Campero. Which I'm not familiar with that restaurant, but uh, it, it's uh, it's a it is not El Pollo Loco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it is a, a mixture of uh, Spanish cuisines, and it came in, um, and it's very popular with the Spanish communities, and um, it, it's huge. I mean, you can't get in; you can't even get near it. 
You know, they have they have it's the like a line stretched yeah, around the, typical, the uh, typ- typical parking situation. Yeah. You can't park, you can't get near it. You, you might as well just think about it maybe in a couple sure, of years. Sure, sure. Uh, I know we had this one next, but I actually yeah. went to Chick Fil A. That's Chick- the next yes, one, right? Yes, uh, me the, and Adam. I drove there. Yeah, the parking lot was insane. They had still, uh, yeah. they had like you know like the airport guys with the little like it was like a Disney uh, line. <laughs> seriously, because like, we went to was it by line wait was it by Home Depot or Lowe's? I forgot. Lowe's. It was by Lowe's. Yeah, and it that whole thing just wrapped around. So like I'm driving up. I'm like Adam, look for Chick Fil A. Look for Chick Fil A. We're driving up. Big, Hold big on, sign, Chick-fil-A. Like, okay. So we're pulling up to the parking lot. Oh, there's cones. Okay, let's follow it. Yeah. Next, you know, I'm being dealt yeah, to go like, to the far you know, back. Three leans deep. Lowe's, yeah. All the way back around. Now, now I, I've eaten at a Chick-fil-A. Uh, I was on assignment. I, there was a Chick-fil-A in an airport. And, of course, it was mm. line. Somebody forced airport you because food. you never had it before? I, it was just chicken. It yeah, was, it's it was, just a chicken sandwich. Yeah. Is have you been, Kelly? I have. I've had it in uh, Texas or something like that, yeah. I think. is yeah. right. Yeah. Now, now, they always make a big deal when it hits Vegas, you know. And, of course, it's a bigger deal because Chick-fil-A, of course, had the, entire had the East Coast. sociopolitical problem of, of that. Oh, yes, oh, yes. And, you know, sure. anti-gay, yeah. anti-everything. Uh, yeah. But uh, clearly, their economics are going to uh, overcome that problem. You know, anytime you have a new restaurant, I was in Kauai, in Hawaii, and uh, there was a Jack in the Box that had just opened. Yeah. And I remember yeah. driving by the Jack in the Box <laughs> and at, like at 10 it's o'clock at insane, night, right? and there was a line wrapping around. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's novel You're to like, them. like, we're closed in 30 minutes, but exactly. we got an hour and a half. I mean, it was insane. Waiting. It's insane. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm a Canes person, so anybody uh, who's not oh, from oh, like yeah. Las Vegas, so Canes uh, is, oh, my, is my fast food. In and out. Canes a jam. In and out's great, you know. Oh, Canes, the sauce. Canes, the sauce is the secret sauce. I'm trying to figure how to make it. Exactly. Although they start charging extra. For the sauce? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's because people will pay it. I'm going so there good. after this podcast. Thanks, thanks for, now that you've oh, said thanks that, for yeah, inspiring now. me, guys. <laughs> oh, and lastly on those, uh, um, there's a restaurant chain, and I actually don't know where it originates. I'd appreciate it if you looked this up, Sam. Momofuku. New York. New York. Thank you. Already know about um, this place. They have, they have sushi. They have uh, Indonesian cuisine. They have an ice cream store, which apparently well, is amazing. T- they don't have sushi there. Sorry to encourage you. No. Uh, th- this Momofuku does uh, ramen, the one that we have here. Mm-hmm. Does uh, ramen? No, I meant Momofuku as a, as a corporation. Oh, as a corporation. Yeah, yeah all yeah, the yeah. restaurants they own yeah. here. Yeah, they have two restaurants in the Cosmopolitan. One su- serves sushi. The other serves ice cream. Uh, but Momofuku is a brand. It, they're they're killing it in Las Vegas. Yeah. And uh, so New York. It's by uh, David Chang. He's David a Chang? popular chef. Okay. Uh, actually, one of his favorite hangout spot in Vegas, surprisingly enough, is Palace Station. Oh, my. really? Because uh, he, he loves the oyster bar random. there. I, I'm telling you, there's something <laughs> magical. Did his car, car break down? Well, <laughs> there's, there's something magical about this oyster bar over there because he loves the chowder over there because um, I'm, I'm a semi-foodie. I follow David Chang. And when I saw him posting Palestation, I'm like, this has to be a joke, right? Yeah. And I'm looking into the video. I'm like, oh, like, no, this oh is, my God. He's actually there. He's actually yeah. there. So have you gone there? Uh, not yet, but you gotta he, try it out then, I guess. I guess because <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he's saying he loves the seafood there. It's it's really good, and I'm that, I'm for one surprised by Palace Station of wow. all places. Because oh, right? as a as growing up in Vegas, we know Palace Station for the crappy buffet. Yeah, or, it's not the good station. That's not the one you want to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's another. Uh, uh, the last night there was the Las Vegas West Fest, and it is a showcase for up and coming and and um, and old school. Uh, rap stars and Mr. O'Shea Jackson, Ice Cube himself, was the headliner. Uh, he did a fantastic job. I watched a clip of the, uh, of, of his work. Um, God, he looked just like uh, his son, and and, and here just doubles. It just oh, yeah. amazes me. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, so that that happened last night. Big hit. That was at the Orleans, I believe. Yes. Um, but uh, the the main thing I want to talk about is the fact that um, uh, Ice Cube, of course, his team and his team forever, my team. 
For life. For life. I'm <laughs> uh, not part of the black hole, but I mean... Uh, Wait, what's your movie? Crips or Bloods? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wait, um, no, no. I'm not armed in uh, two no, life. Jamie's wearing Captain America. He's conflicting that's himself. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, the Raiders. And, and, uh, uh, the I'm Las sure Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. They're here. But I want to bring up something that I saw. Mark Davis said that the... Quote... The Raiders' move to Las Vegas is bittersweet. I cannot sure celebrate. I can, no, the, the, the quote continues. I cannot celebrate because it is so bittersweet. And I was like, boy, you better start you know, celebrating because this is a lot of crap to go through to get these guys here. Yeah. Nobody wanted them. The, the, the home, home fans didn't want them to go. And you move because it's, it's filling your wallet. So oh, you yeah. better start popping the champagne and being happy about yeah, this. Don't, don't play the sad card now. Because you've got a 65,000-plus stadium coming that I know that our community can't fill. So you better start you know, enticing people to come That's in. That's true. You don't think you're going to get 65,000 lost vegans to go to the Raiders game? That's right. Uh, That's nah. right. Well, no. I mean, someone has, to, someone has to run the bars. Run the parking lot, and then tell people where to park, and then arrest them. Right. So, where to park. so that's sixty-five thousand people right there, you know. So they're going <laughs> to be working. They're not going to be able to sit yeah. there and enjoy the game. Exactly. Now, now, Kelly, I know he, he is a uh, uh, Seahawks fan. Yeah? I am a Seahawks fan, w- which is not as tragic as 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 our as our producer <laughs> Sam with the Buccaneers, but. <laughs> uh, Ouch. But now, what Ouch. do you think, Kelly? You're you're a you're a Vegas vet. You, you know it's it's exciting to see all these professional teams starting to gravitate to Las Vegas. Of course, we have the hockey team. It's mm-hmm. it's here, yeah. which is yeah. cool because that's a brand new team. It's a brand. It's I like, love that. You know, and that's that's that. you can get behind that. Yeah. You know, there is a bit of a, a tragedy about taking somebody else's team. You know, I think about the Seahawks. Even though you know I'm a Seahawks fan, you know I want them to stay in Seattle. Seattle. Course, yeah. You know, I was upset when the Sonics got ripped away and became uh, yeah. Oklahoma. You know, and so when you look at professional teams in Las Vegas, it's exciting. It's it's going to be exciting to have some NFL action. Um, but I, you know, I really don't know. I'm not one of these people that it's getting ready to jump on the bandwagon that it's going to be this amazing thing for our economy. I have a lot of Raider fans, and they're excited, and that's great for them. But uh, is it going to help the schools? Eh, we'll see. I, yeah. I, you know, based on the track record of the NFL, uh, we'll, we'll have to just wait to see. Yeah, I agree with you. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Something good comes out of this. I, I hope so. And, I, and, and, you know, job creation is, is important, you know, nationwide. Definitely. And I'm hoping that will happen. But um, uh, there's, there's so many issues. And, again, you know, we're not going to see them until 2019. Exactly. You know, they're, they're locked into Alameda. Oh, I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was 2020. Well, no, they're locked yeah. in through the, with their contract with Alameda with their lease until oh, eight, okay, through okay, eighteen, okay, okay. and everybody claims they can build the stadium in nineteen. I, I don't buy it, but who knows? Uh, you know, they, they built T-Mobile and mm. T-Mobile went up pretty fast. Well, a year and a half. Listen, all I ask for, okay, is when you build a stadium, please think about people with the work behind the scenes, as in all those guys that have to drive the trucks. Load and unload your docks. Yeah. Oh yeah! Please build it correctly, right next to the. And end. also oh, yeah. think about the weather too. The the you. crazy Vegas weather, like the wind. If that rain yes. comes in and floods out your parking lot, you're totally screwed. Uh-huh. I'm just saying because a lot of yeah. these yeah. buildings out here. Look up some here, pictures of uh, UNLV oh, getting flooded. Yeah, you know, yeah, don't let the city planners for our roads plan the stadium. Uh. Oh. <laughs> for God's yeah. sake, yeah. please yeah. don't. Yeah. You know, but hey, real quick, you know, I, I'm yeah, hoping yeah. that the, the, this whole situation will will help improve the spotlight on the rebels. You know, that's that's all. You, you know, go. that's something to be positive about. That's at least. true. So, that's hey, true. You know, at the end of the day, that's another part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll stand the benefit from that. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, so. I heard something about the Rebels could use the facility, supposedly, um, which is not being used by the Raiders. Yeah, they pay for it, though. Yeah, oh, gotcha. it's, a yeah, lease, it's, it's a lease, lease thing. contract. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of money moving around. Yeah, and, sure. and obviously, Davis is going to be the, uh, 
the winner. <laughs> Him and, and then Jerry oh Jones God, in the yeah. background. Absolutely. Sounds Absolutely. like a big game of Monopoly and someone's holding all the pink 50s. Yeah, all of a NFL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's, that's, that's what's happening in Las Vegas uh, today, basically. Uh, again, we are at the Indie Film Factory. We're with Kelly Schwartz. Uh, he's the director uh, of the of the factory. He's a director uh, of films, a producer of films, and uh, he is he is without question in the room the authority on filmmaking. But there's a lot. There, I'm gonna we want to pick his brain. But first, Kelly, thanks for being here. No, this is a pleasure. This is awesome. Uh, Glad to have you, Kelly. What is your? What, I'm, we're gonna turn the turn on the wayback machine. These two, these kids are too young to know that. Uh, uh, and what's your background? How'd you get in there? With the films and everything. Yeah, so I started off, I wanted to be a, an illustrator. I wanted to be a cartoonist. So, you know, my dream was like to work for Disney. Yeah. And so I was coming in at the time. I graduated high school in 96. And so it was at the time that a lot of jobs were getting moved overseas. You know, so a lot of animation jobs were mm -hmm. getting, you know, sent to places like India or Pakistan or, or China. Right. And so um, I kind of came at it at a perfect time and at the worst time, you know. And also, I wasn't that great of an illustrator. I feel like my entire career, I've always been like trying to reach further than I probably should be reaching. Um, and so I, I, I failed at getting a couple internships. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to start doing this on my own. So I, you know, I kind of worked on my own little small projects and uh, started to discover that I, I just didn't want to do animation. It was just too <laughs> difficult. You know, it was too, I, love, I love the art, art form, but it just was too difficult for me to be able to handle. It was expensive, you know, as well. So I, I went to art school uh, briefly in San Francisco, mm -hmm. ran out of money, I had to come back here to Las Vegas, and they didn't have a, a film program necessarily uh, or an animation program in, in, in our state. So they had a film program. So I started taking film classes, and it was through that that I got hooked up with an internship and I remember one particular day, I was I was volunteering for a film festival that was here called Cine Vegas, which I don't know if you guys oh, know. Yeah. I love that. I love Cine Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. of years. Yeah. We we uh, we were dealt with Cine Vegas all the time. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, no, it's it, great. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Hopper's awesome. That's right. I remember watching, sitting next to Dennis Hopper and Sylvester Stallone watching Rocky. Nice, right? Yeah, that was really cool. And they're literally Very sitting, cool. and I'm sitting there watching this movie, going, "This is awesome." And I'm like, "Oh my god, right. yeah, next to the star, yeah. right?" Yeah. So so you know, but but I had a chance to volunteer for the festival. I remember this one particular day, they had sent me out to run errands. And I, and I came back and there was a production like on my way to the, back from the post office and it was you know near where the office was and I remember pulling over and there was a guy with a radio and stuff sitting on the, on the by one of the trailers and, and there was I was like should I go talk to the guy and I was kind of nervous to do it and this voice in my head said just go talk to whatever him, go for it so <laughs> I walked over there and I and I, I said hey you know what are you guys doing over here I, I'm, I'm interested I'm going to film school. And, and he, he couldn't have been more gracious. And he was like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm trying to figure out a way to break in the production. He pulls out his wallet, pulls out a business card, and gives me the production manager's name. It was for a Warner Brothers TV show that they were shooting here called The Strip. Um, and, it, you know, it was a very short-lived series. I think it had one yeah, season. I don't, and I don't remember. Fizzled out, you yeah. know. Uh, but long story short, he, that was through that contact. I, I ended up getting a job with that production. Uh, worked on that production, got another job for another. I was Kirsten Dunst's driver on another movie called like Lucky Town Blues, which will be hard to find, <laughs> you know, but I did that nice. briefly. I don't even think I'm giving credit for that, but, right. but, um, I, it was through that experience that I started, I, I noticed, uh, you know, production, I kind of got, I fell in love with that whole process, you know? Yeah. And at that time I, I said to myself, you know, I could, I think I could do this. Yeah. So I started my own film company, uh, you know, basically dropped out of college and started my own film company after working for a few of these productions, and and I, I made my first feature film uh, with five thousand bucks, and I maxed out a store credit card to get a camera at the time. And what, what was the name of that film? Uh, it was called Poking the Eye of the Storm. You know, you'll probably never find yeah. it anywhere. It might be on YouTube somewhere. You got an IMDb credit for that one? I, I do have an IMDb. <laughs> credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I looked nice. him up. Oh, yeah. 
in fact, the irony of this is, uh, so where we're late located here in Las Vegas, right down the street, there's a Smith's grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there used to be the old Synodome theaters mm-hmm. that were there. So yeah. if you're a local, you, yeah. I mean, I grew up watching like Ghostbusters and right, Raiders sure. of the Lost Ark in oh, the yeah. theater. Right. That's where I premiered that movie. It was my, nice. you know, and, That's and great. in the audience, I had a guy named Bob Weimer who, who did Sequest. He did episodes of Star, Star Trek. Yeah, I remember uh, Sequest. Sequest. Yeah. I remember. And so he, he was there. He kind of, you know, gave me some tips on stuff. And, mm-hmm. and through that experience, uh, I met another producer named Ed Denzel. We started working together and then, you know, you know, fast forward. You know, almost 20 some odd years now, uh, I've done six feature films, you know. Wow. Very cool. Sequest is Roy Scheider, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't Rush? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yes, I believe wow. so. Yeah. Well, Kelly, that's amazing. Now, now, where we're sitting is the Indie Film Factory. Um, what? Now, the, this is your base of operations, yeah? Yes, it is. I mean, this this building. I mean, we've been here for five years. Prior to this, I've had production companies uh, at ProWorks Media Group. Prior to this, which mm-hmm. was a service company. Okay. Uh, and you know, uh, through the, the one thing that was missing part of our equation was the the fact that uh, we didn't have a place to shoot our stuff. Right. And so, you know, my wife, Charisma, and I were, were sitting there thinking one day, we're like, what, could, what would be a good business model that would be kind of in the hedgehog of filmmaking? Right. And so she came up, actually came up with the idea of, of opening a studio that was affordable that people could mm-hmm. use and all that right. good mm-hmm. stuff. So this is really her brainchild. So she started the Indie Film Factory, and, and since then I, I kind of jumped in and, and kind of took over and started managing it for us. But uh, it, it really has become a, I call it the clubhouse you know, a lot of different productions happen here. And not just little independent productions, but all the way from like ABC mm-hmm. to... Yeah, you're saying in, you had Disney here, right? Yeah, NBC yeah. Universal's been here. I've had Amazon Studios. So everybody's, everybody has, has taken, um, you know, has, has used this facility that we're sitting in. Now all the way down to newbies. I mean, someone, someone a photographer, videographer, right. filmmaker can come in and do that. Uh, and uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be local. I mean, you, you take in, you know, people from across the country. Yeah, of course. Across the globe, actually. I, I mean, uh, uh, Well, we talked about, uh, you know, hip I mean, I had, I had Chuck D in the studio one time and he's not from Las Vegas, but he right. was passing through. Right. They, they had a show at the, right. at the hard rock or something like that. Uh, or they were, they were doing so, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to shoot a quick video cause they had all the, the gang, excuse me, okay. they, they had all the, the gang together. And so they, they come, you know, came and used the studio. So yeah. we're, we're kind of a destination in that respect, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. we try to make it easy. This is one place that, you know, you can come and kind of make a mess and not have to worry right. about it being right. too corporate or too, sure. you know. Well, uh, be, being in the industry, I can attest it's a, it's a great place, uh, very comfortable, and, and offers a lot. Uh, now, if you're watching our YouTube channel, uh, you can see in the lower third here, right about here, uh, it's going to be um, uh, their logo and the .com. But, Kelly, for the podcast, what is the IndieFilmFactories.com? So it's, uh, you know, I-N-D, I-N-D, this, this thing here, I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-Factory, F-A-C-T-O-R-Y.com. .com. All right, yep. perfect. Now, now, Kelly, uh, uh, along with running uh, this fantastic studio, is, um, uh, uh, like he said, a filmmaker of how many? I'm sorry, six? Yeah, I've done six feature films, six and feature I've done uh, two documentaries. Outstanding. Now, his newest is called Alien Domicile. Now, uh, I, I have seen uh, its uh, trailer, and I've, I've started to watch the film. It's, it's great. I appreciate that. Thank it's you. Great. No, it's it's and it's and it's it's um it's fun and I think it's uh, for me at least coming at it with a with a blank slate. I it was unexpected. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but I'm going to let you tell the audience. Uh, give it a breakdown. What, what what's what, what is Alien Domicile? Well, so Alien Domicile is about these five government contractors that find themselves pretty much stuck and left behind at a evacuated Area 51. Okay. You know, and so the idea of, of their journey is to discover number one, why are they why were they left there? And number two, what is happening to them? They're obviously getting 
increasingly sick, you know, throughout this, this experience. And it, it, it's a movie that takes place, um, you know, obviously in area 51, but we, we touch upon the, the, the idea of time travel and, uh, you know, multidimensional time travel. And of mm, course, nice. uh, evolution, it's really the theme is evolution. Oh, so you're a sci-fi nerd. No, no, not even. I mean, I grew, I, you know, I grew up watching star. So, so the, the whole genesis of this, of this, uh, story is that my distributor was saying, you know, we had a movie called Territory 8, which was a, an, a post-apocalyptic, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, film. So we did this movie, and, and, and all my movies are, are very small budget, shoestring budgets. But we had, you know, we had some success with that movie, and he had said, hey, you know, if you did this movie, if you did a new movie, and you had a creature in it, you know, mm-hmm. could you just do that, like, last movie you did, yeah. but then do add again, a creature to it? Do it, it again, but more scary. And so, you know, we went back to the drawing board, and it, originally it was going to be a minotaur. Because I was like, that hasn't been done in a while. Let's maybe play around with that. <laughs> yeah, we've seen enough aliens, but yeah. not enough minotaurs. So, so of course, the distributor hated that idea. Right. And they were like, you know, if you could do something science fiction, because that's a little easier sell for me and my sure. buyers and blah, blah, blah. So that was the genesis of it. But but the idea popped in my head. Uh, I was at a cocktail party uh, for at a friend's house, and there, there was this, this guy, and I, I was, you know, just small talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you do? You know, what do you, what's your job, you know? And he says, well, I, I work at the Nevada test site. And I said, oh, cool. I said, so are, you, are, you, you know, are you one of those guys that like get on that? There's a plane. If you live in Vegas, you know about the planes. We, we yeah. have spoken of the test site and the plane. Mm-hmm. So the plane yeah. are these white you know, Boeing planes, mm-hmm. uh, 747s or whatever, and they've mm-hmm. got these, this red stripe down the middle. And mm-hmm. that's it. they got a tail number, and that's about it. But this is where these test site workers. No nonsense, just right. straight in, straight yeah. out. And yeah. they fly people who live in Las Vegas who work at Area 51 in the Nevada test site. Well, yes. that, that whole Nellis, uh, or actually it's Edwards Air Force mm-hmm. uh, area. Mm-hmm. You know, so when they test- fly the plane and they land, is there like a little guy you Killing the plane, the plane. The plane. <laughs> Let's hope so. I, I, I wonder if it, any of our audience members will get the reference. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fantasy Island, baby. Yeah. No, but you know, so uh, you know, so I, I, I met this guy and I was like, "What do you? So can you? You know, how's that like?" He's like, "Honestly, I can't tell you anything." He says, uh, "I can just tell you I work there." Uh, he's got so many contracts. Yeah. And, he says, know. "I will literally go to prison if I even utter yeah, anything sure. outside yeah, of what I just, you funny. know, even just telling you where I work." And I thought that was so fascinating. So when we were thinking about the idea of a, an alien film, I thought, you know, I'm going to make a movie that focuses on, you know, the... The location. Uh, the location, right? but also the, the the secrecy of the people that work in there. And so my goal with this movie, and whether or not I was successful or not, was to make, you know, obviously trying to make this super dirt cheap movie, yeah. uh, creature movie, but it was also to focus on the story of these characters uh, who, who don't know each other, and it's, it's quite ambiguous. We don't know what they're doing, and I wanted to throw the audience into that, you know, uh, kind of confusion. You know, and I've, I've taken some comments. Some people said, you know, well, I don't understand why, you know, you never explain what, it, you know, and, and my idea with this movie was not to telegraph a lot. You know, I just wanted to put it out there and see, you know, without having to try to explain everything. Yeah. And to see if the you audience. You don't always get all the answers, right? So. Right. You know, and I think if I leave the audience with more questions than they came in with, then maybe I've done maybe, a good yeah, job. Yeah. But sometimes people don't like that. No. You know. Now you, you use, go ahead, Sam. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you're telling me people don't like to think anymore? No. Because everything's served <laughs> to them? Apparently not. Apparently not. That's horrible. Because, no. I mean, that's one thing well, I enjoy. You saw the ending of Inception, right? Did you think it fell? Come on. <laughs> 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 spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't know. That movie's like oh, 10 yeah, years old. It's but, over. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you used um, local talent. Or did you bring people in? So everybody's based here. But yeah, you know, so for example, Edward Osipov, he's, he's Russian. I mean, he's, he lives in America now, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he travels to Europe quite often to do different projects and mm-hmm. things like that. Ellie Brown uh, travels all over the world. I know she, Ellie. Yeah, I've worked with Ellie. Yeah. So Ellie's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And I worked with her on another movie called You People prior to this. It was a comedy that we did. Great. Um, 
uh, you had Will Edwards, which was our, which was our alien, which is a little mm-hmm. strange. He's a comedian and he, you know, so maybe that's why the alien's so funny. You know, I don't know. <laughs> he wanted but, to switch it up a little right. bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so it's dramatic side, right. We had Michael Mont- Montero, uh, who, who played Russell, uh, Sabrina Copefield. Both of these actors are, are living here in town. Sabrina works in, in at Los Angeles and she works on various different independent projects right. and Michael as well. And, and just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal cast. Michael Tusshouse. Uh, who's in the movie? He's also an Emmy Award-winning composer. He did the sound for the for the film as well, which you'll, you know you'll hear his music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was I was blessed. And, and one of the things, I mean, set aside, you know, I think we have amazing production value. I think the uh, the acting is, is is on point. But I was so proud about the actors and what they were able to do with this. Mm. You know, so whether or not we hit the the marks in terms of the fanboys, you know, thinking, you know, this, well, you know, you know this it, and that, but who knows? It's a toss up now for that. I, I mean, you, you just can't predict what's what's going to hit, what's what's not. Uh, but now uh, you had directorial duties, yes. Mm-hmm. I was and, and you were the the executive producer. Yeah, and I wrote it. And so you wrote I, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're quite tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm ready to retire. Now. Like, I hope this works. I'm going to retire. Now, now before I before we get off of Alien Domicile, uh, I wa- we we I want everybody listening um, to find it. Yes. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm not even going to begin to this conversation. Where, where do you find it? Well, it's available on Amazon. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can, under science fiction, we're, we're in that category, or you can just search on Amazon for Alien Domicile. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, there's also a book that's attached to the film. Okay. So if you're a reader out there, you can also find the book. Uh, the, the only difference between the book and the movie is the, it's Alien Domicile, Escape Area 51. You and know. A, and a, a digital that's a digital. digital. You can actually get it in paperback, but it's, okay. yeah. But it, but you know, if you have a Kindle, you can read it. You know, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. So so, so free's good. Free's good. I try to be better and I'm, yeah. I'm really good and free. Now, yeah. now okay. Everybody so likes free. so uh, Amazon Prime, but you can find it as an Amazon. Now what what's the what's the uh, what is it for a non Prime member? I think it's you can rent it for like two bucks oh, or three fantastic. bucks, something like that. Yeah. But Amazon Prime Alien Domicile out now. Um, and uh, it's under, is it under horror, horror, sci-fi? Both? Sci- science fiction and horror is what it's it listed is. at. But okay. I, it's more, to me, actually, I, I categorize it as a, as a science fiction drama more so than anything. Although there's action and there's there's a bit of gore to it, but it's not okay. uh, not in a classic sense of horror. Okay. All right. Now, now uh, the, I definitely want to get into the, the, the you mentioned money making. Yes. And uh, obviously you're not doing this for free. Uh, <laughs> but um, but before we get off of that, of, the, of Domicile, I, what is, uh, do you have something on the boards that you're conceptualizing for a new piece? Yeah, there's several there's several projects that we have in development that I, I call okay. it development because they're, yeah, yeah. they're basically in my brain is okay. what they are. You know, it just it really is going to be depending on what direction this movie takes. I mean, this movie's only been out for about a week now. Okay. Uh, so you know, based on how the movie performs in the next month and month or so, we'll, we'll probably dictate whether or not I'm doing a an action film or a or a drama or a comedy or whatnot. Well, I personally love comedies. I could do well, yeah. So that's what you would do. I was going to say, yeah. regardless of, of its success, which obviously it will be. No sequel um, in the mix. Yeah. It's funny. People have asked that. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, if yeah. I have to go back and revisit this, you know, <laughs> uh, this is a lot. I think we're good with one for now, like but we'll that. see. I'll, maybe so, another director will So do, uh, Domicile 2 with Kevin Hart. There you, done, done. Kevin Hart signs up. <laughs> yeah, done. You better say yes. <laughs> done. All right. Now, Kelly, one of the things that I find most interesting about your projects is that, that as you mentioned, uh, many of your projects have been on a shoestring budget. Uh, would you would you say that was the the case for Adamsa? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, now you've mentioned. Uh, I, I want to know how you how you generated the funds to make the film. Yeah. So, well, for, you know, obviously. 
film financing comes from a lot of different sources. This movie I, I pretty much financed out of my pocket. I mean, this is something that I, I finance myself. I self-finance this film. We had a, an investor that we, we were looking, was looking at the project. They were interested in the project, but there was a lot of changes and a lot of things that I wasn't willing to do. And I've, I've become really good at making films for very little. You know, yes. because I own my own company, I yes. own my own equipment. I have a lot of uh, the studio, of course, is mine. So there's a lot of benefits to having that kind of infrastructure already, which saves tremendously. Plus, I did a lot of the work on my own. I mean, I cut the movie myself. I'm I'm an editor by trade. Uh, you know, I do I do production as well. So right. I'm a, I, I'm able to kind of lend myself out to that. So I was I mean, so this movie has been all. I mean, I had a, another partner, uh, Omar Gomez, which helped finance portions of the film mm -hmm. for for certain departments. So between the two of us, we, we self-financed this film. How okay. long did it take you guys to shoot the film itself, like total? Well, we only had, we could only afford to do about 20 days. So I think 20 days with one day of pickup shots. Okay. Yeah, we shot, gotcha. we shot seven days here in the studio where we're sitting, literally sitting right now. Uh, and then we shot uh, another week and a half or so at the, at the county's water reclamation plant. Nice. Did, the, did the weather itself nice. affect you at all during the filming process yeah. or anything? No, because primarily everything was inside. Nice. Which we, you know, you, you learn. Yeah, you, know, you learn. Oh, yeah. That, you know, <laughs> control. Of the trade. Oh, it's control. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. On the other side of it. So you've made the film. Mm -hmm. How do you make the money back? Well, the, the, the movie is going to be monetized through various channels. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's too early to tell our efforts, but we're doing quite well on Amazon right now. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we are hoping to recuperate a lot of our money back through VOD. We own the VOD rights to it, but the distributor will be obviously selling the movie to broadcasters and foreign markets. So movies like this will typically make most of their money in the foreign market. Okay. Um, and it, it's over the course of a handful of years. However, it still has the pass-through of an Amazon, of a, of a Netflix, of a, of a whatever. So you're, you're still, you, you, you have to pay the movie tithe to, to them. Yes, before, I mean, they, they, are they taking a percentage from you on each sale? Yes, Amazon has an algorithm in terms of what they're taking and what they're paying you based on minutes streamed. So and is that, is that transparent? Yeah, I mean, it's quite transparent to the most part. I mean, it's obviously, you can't, you know, you're, you're depending on their technology to be able to, to tell you how well you're doing. Okay. Uh, but, you know, once the numbers are there, you can clearly see what you're getting paid on, you know. Okay. So, you know, Amazon's been a game changer because they have, they've allowed filmmakers like us to be able to, to put our content out to, you know, 30 million plus users mm -hmm. all over the world, you know. Okay. So we distribute to England, we distribute to Japan and Germany as well as the United States. Mm -hmm. So they've been a game changer in that respect. I mean, yeah. just a few years ago, I mean, in order to get any kind of visibility, you had to go through a distributor or an aggregator to get your content out there. But the, but they've opened up that channel. So now, now, are you allowed to at some point in your contract or in the life of the contract with the one distributor, are you allowed to go multi-platform? Yes. I mean, so the way our distribution contracts work and I was, I mean, so I teach filmmaking, producing classes at, at the college locally here. And one of the things I'm, I'm always telling filmmakers is that, you know, you want to carve up your distribution rights. You know, you don't want to just give everything to one, one place, mm -hmm. you know, if you can't, because I mean, at the end of the day, you don't need to do that anymore. A lot of distribution companies, they want all rights. I mean, that's how they, you know, that's how they, they keep in business because they can, they, but a lot of times they're not going to exercise all those rights. Mm -hmm. So if there's platforms that you can put it on, you, you know, for example, there's Vimeo now, there's VHX. I mean, there's tons of different platforms that you can, uh, I mean, even iTunes, I mean, you can get your content on iTunes now. Sure. Um, you know, if you can, if you, if you can control that, then why go through the distributor for that? Right. Where the distributors are really beneficial are making those foreign sales. Mm. 
you know. Now, do they also help you? Are, are you just on an island by yourself as it regards marketing? Or do these distri distribution packages that you arrange include their assistance in marketing? Well, that's a great question. And it's a big misconception. So in our at our level of filmmaking, there's no marketing that goes into these movies. I yeah. mean, you have uh, the only marketing effort that really is involved is creating great poster art. Some social um, media, I'm it, assuming. Not even that. No. I mean, so at the end of the day, it's based on poster art. It's, hmm. So we don't, we don't call it marketing. We call it positioning. Okay. So, for example, it's a title change. Uh, it's, uh, you know, for example, if Alien Domicile title doesn't work, the distributor may want to change the title to something that's... A little more catchy or... Right, or something that's similar enough to something else. I mean, so you see these movies all sure. the time where they, they kind of piggyback off of something that's successful. Success. But there is a reason for that. Because, you know, yeah. you mean, it costs almost $10,000 or something to run an ad in the New York Times. So that would be, you know, over the li lifespan of a movie, that would be impossible. It wouldn't make any sense for a little low-budget movie to, to spend that kind of money on, on marketing. Mm -hmm. now, now, if a title change is suggested, is it actually just a suggestion? Or are they, is it a, is it a, a pointed suggestion like, yeah, you change this or we can't help you? Well, you know, it depends on your contract. With me, it's always a distributor calling and asking for permission to do those things. Okay. And, and nine times out of 10, I will agree with it. I okay. mean, like our last movie, Territory 8, I mean, we shot it as Territory 8, but it's been called District 8. <laughs> it's had artwork changed on it, you know, to yes, piggyback yeah. on District, District 8, which has sure. nothing to do with anything. But uh, in fact, it, it just premiered uh, as an El Rey original, but they, we, we sent it in as a District 8, but they had labeled it on their on their lineup is Territory 8. So, you know. Wow. So I go with it. But I go with it. I mean, yeah. so, you know, the distributors know best. I mean, at that point, when they're, when yeah. they're, because they're the ones that are out there on the front line selling it. And so you have to have that kind of relationship, I think, with your, right. your distributor. So do, do, when, obviously it's, it's a week old. So, I mean, uh, you know, there's no numbers yet. But, uh, you know, what about the grassroots level? You know, for most everything nowadays, still, old school, new school, it's word of mouth. And it's and it's and it, like this, a podcast, right? You know, I mean, do, is that still a, a, an integral factor in your marketing campaign? I mean, or is it just some? Is it an aside? No, it's a, so. For example, we, you know, we're we're in like the top fifty right now under science fiction, you know. Uh, and under new release, I think we're in like the top 15 or so. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be sitting there if it weren't for our support on social media. Right. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, so everybody who's been supportive and rating the movie, giving comments, sharing the posts, I mean, they're the ones that are, are championing this film and, and we would be buried. I mean, we would be buried because I'm yes. sure Amazon, I don't have the exact numbers, but there's a significant amount of new movies being put on that platform by independent filmmakers every sure. single week. Yes. You know, so, you know, it's hard to be competitive. So we have to reach out, and, and that's so important. So on, on our level, we're constantly doing marketing, social media. Right. You know, the distributors, they, you know, they're, they're, they're in transaction. So they don't, you know, they, they go to markets, they sell content at booths, uh, tables the, say, the size right. of the one we're sitting at, right. you know. Okay, all right. Now, what, um, uh, because you do instruct uh, on film and, and distribution and things of that nature, what 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 is on the horizon? What do you see? I mean, obviously, the Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, iTunes, you know, as distributors is new, relatively. Mm -hmm. But what do you see as the next possible step? I mean, what I can't. I honestly, when I look ahead, I can't even think of what the next step for a filmmaker would be. You're already. Uh, in new in new in new territory. 
Well, you know, obviously you've seen, you know, YouTube's been around for what now, almost 15 years, it seems like, you know, so it's like short form content, you know, really, I mean, it's taken off to some extent, but I think, I think ultimately it's just how they monetize these movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Hollywood is realizing that, you know, and it's been this way for a while. It's, it's not so much about the movies anymore. It's about licensing. And so what I've advised filmmakers is to think about the ancillary values for your film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you've got a business or if you're a creative or if you want to be a director, use your movies for marketing pieces more so than anything. If they make money, great. Uh, and so in terms of the business model, I think that's kind of the next frontier, you know, uh, in terms of just how you think about it. So mm-hmm. it's, so, you know, but the, the goal ultimately is to keep your costs low. I mean, a lot of filmmakers that I meet, they want to make these million dollar movies. There's no middle ground anymore. So either you're making a, a $10,000 movie or you're making a $10 million movie. There's no middle ground anymore because there's no, the buyers are the, somewhat the same mm-hmm. between the 10,000 to yeah. the 10 million. I mean, that's crazy to think that way, right. but it's because there's so many new movies it's coming out. Easier access to these indie films via Netflix or whatever is, yeah. is really and, pushing the market. You know, and you could be, it's exactly it. And, and, there's so many films, but the, at the end of the day, there's you can if you keep your costs low, uh, you can you can actually make your money back and be okay. You know, the trick is really just how you're able to produce that. Technology has helped filmmakers make things cheaper, yes. but there's still the question of talent. There's still the question of you know uh, special effects and things like that. That stuff's mm-hmm. improving. So I would say within the next ten years, I mean, it's going to be hard to distinguish between what Hollywood's doing. And what an independent filmmaker, you know, working on a very yeah. small budget's doing. Because oh, yeah. everyone's getting the same bar now. Everyone's getting a hold of the same technology now. That's right. That's right. Well, in my household, we just uh, we just got rid of DirecTV. And we're streaming everything. Mm-hmm. And I can't keep up. I mean, I, I love television. I love content. I love to watch. I produce it myself. And and I can't keep up. So I, I, it's a, it's a, I think you're right. I think it's going to be... This avalanche, I think, very soon. We're, we're actually reaching an avalanche pretty soon because uh, yeah. I read an article. Sorry to interrupt you guys. Mm-hmm. I read an article a while back sent by my friend Kevin about how this bubble is going to burst pretty soon because the prime example is Netflix. They've spent so much money on content. There's so much content available right now to where the market itself, it's starting to be more available than more in demand. So now there's just so much content there to where people can't keep up. Like people are trying to watch all these shows, but there's so many shows to watch, it's hard to binge everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people that, that doesn't like the idea of binging too much is uh, Whedon, Mr. Whedon himself. He he misses the days where shows are released uh, weekly so you can discuss mm-hmm. and actually let the episodes We sit, talked about this uh, because of Lost. Yeah. Which is... A prime example of a good show. Yeah. Uh, cough, cough. We're, we're in China. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Chinese. We're good. Wait a week in order to, <laughs> yeah. to really appreciate yeah. what the last episode to was. To no, sinking, to, no to, to connect. Like. But now uh, we didn't notice how like um, people binge so much to where, say, if I binge a show, that forces you, Adam, to binge a show too. But then it's hard for us to stay on the same page because we didn't watch it week by week. You know what I mean? See, we were to watch Flash or Arrow week by week. We can talk about it. But not that since everybody binges. Yeah, but now maybe you finish season one in like two days, and yeah, yeah. Now I gotta wait it's, two months. It's so. bizarre for a filmmaker because you spend so much time on the scenes, you spend so much time in preparation, and then it's gone. I mean, that's you mm. know. So we talked about con, you know CinemaCon. I mean, you know, so the lifespan of a, of a film now in the theaters are you know maybe a week if you're lucky, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a tragedy in a lot of ways because of the amount of time that it takes to make a film. I mean, mm-hmm. even a little movie like ours took three almost three years to make that sure. movie, and within gotcha. three years, it just takes. 
you know, you're somebody sitting in a dark room for 70, 80 minutes and then it's done for them, yeah. you know? And so I, I, I really feel bad. It's a, it's a challenging time for being a filmmaker because I, I often joke with my colleagues. It's like, you know, if we were making these same kind of movies 10 years ago or 15 years ago, we'd be geniuses, <laughs> you know, like I think, and, and look, oh, I, yeah. not to discredit, you know, great filmmaking, but I mean, you look at like, you know, Frank Capra or, or even Steven Spielberg or, yeah. you know, I mean, Think about that. I mean, think about how how that's changed. You know, they had an easier audience to please, you know, a True. long time ago. The audiences are more sophisticated. They're demanding more. It, the bar is so high. The audience wants more blood now. They want more and more blood. They want more continuity nowadays. It's it's kind of rough to fill that, you know what I mean? Because sometimes I get what you're saying. Because, like, you as a filmmaker, you put so much TLC it just have to brush to the side so quick. It kind of hurts. It does, I mean? you know. And you don't, you know, you have somebody who will get on, you know, with anybody can be a critic now on, on Facebook or whatever, you know, yeah. you know, podcast. Or po- you know, but they can they can thumb you down. <laughs> they can thumb yeah. you down, and it, it's always hard to not know the context of it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, filmmaking is one of those things that you don't have them, you know, you can go and appreciate an indie rock group, for example, you sure. can, and you can say, Hey, they're an indie rock group. You know, they're not assigned, you know, but you can get behind that. You can get yeah. into the music, you can support it. Whereas filmmaking, either you're at the studio level or you just suck. You know, there's no middle ground. You have a small fan Ouch. base of people that will look at you and say, Oh, we like B movies, oh, you know, we're, we're B movie people, but then they, they, they hold you to a different set of rules. So it's quite unfair in that, in that respect, uh, as a filmmaker, you know, when you're, when you're kind of stacked up against that. Right. But I mean, why do we keep doing it? I mean, again, you know, for me, it's about trying to figure out the economy, uh, of, of what we do, um, you know, I, a very small percentage of my income comes from the movie revenue that I've generated in my movies. Of course, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're they're paying for themselves, uh, and they're also helping drive interest, traffic into these other businesses that I have. And I think that's where filmmakers have to start looking toward. You know? Well, I, I'm very pleased to hear you say that because uh, if I hear one more artist say it is my passion, I am going to puke. <laughs> You know, but but and, filmmaking is his passion, it, sir. Well, it might, it's also my misery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and and uh, yes, if you're referring to passion of the Christ, then yes, it's his passion. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's his cross to nice. bear. And and but 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 I really love the fact that that you you do acknowledge that that you're not just doing the, you, starving artist is cute when you're 21. Mm-hmm. When you're 41 or beyond, or what, how old are you? Well, I'm 38, so I'll be 39 in a couple of weeks. Oh, no. it's, it's, no. it's over. The girls are not lining up anymore. Mazel tov, sir. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. But uh, but the fact that you that 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 this is a money making venture. You're trying to make good films, good content, and put it out there and try to to loop everything together to try to provide for. You know, again, Adam brought this up, and and I love the fact that my my crew and everything else, um, you know, I provide to people's incomes. I provide, you know, to to the the global economy, and I, I, I unfortunately with with citizen journalism and 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 wonderful cell phones, but they're not as wonderful to make a movie with, really, to, to me. Um, you know, I like to hear film filmmakers say, "I love it, I hate it, and I'm making money." Yeah. You know, and and let's be honest. You know, you make a three and a half year commitment, put it out there, and it doesn't make a dime. Well, you know, not only is that demoralizing, you're not going to push ahead with the next one probably very quickly. No, no. Yeah. yeah. And and now I have a question for you. Um, because he, you brought up binging, Sam, uh, and I, we've all done it. 
I guess. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, you, you have kids. I don't know. What do you binge? Wiggles? What are you doing? Well, you know, like I used to binge. You know, like I, I, you know, I, I've watched Lost. And you made a reference to Lost. Yes. I've watched that. I yeah. mean, I think House of Cards. I, I power through uh, those. Good Qu- quick question: Are you a fan of Lost? I am. Well, I, let me just let me back up here. I okay. like the first two or three seasons. Okay, okay. But by, right. the, by yeah. the crescendo of that, I'm like, okay, they're just messing kind with us. Kind of reaching now. But, yeah. but, but you're still a fan per yeah. se. Yeah. Who's yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure so that we're just uh, double checking. So, so Mr. See, Jamie, so Mr. Jamie room, knows you know. that there's three lost fans yeah, right. against one naysayer. Just, you know, no. look, J- keep tally. JJ Abrams. That I mean, he he had a great thing going, and I think <laughs> after a while, I think they should have ended it after like the third season. They should have just ended it. And just made yeah. it, because it would have been, I mean, epic, and fans yeah, would have been going I, crazy. And, yeah, have and the it. credits roll on the polar bear's butt and be done. <laughs> <laughs> but by, by the third season, I mean, I think they were stretching. So, I mean, yeah. if you were to when ask When they went me, to the flashback, flash forward, then sideway flash, I'm like, Whoa. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine it was right around the time of the writer's strike. Yeah, so writer's so strike hurt a, a lot weird. of good shows. Yeah, One show that got hurt too. was Heroes. Oh, Heroes got hurt so bad. And it should never have come back. But my question yeah, is, will you ever do episodic? Will you put out eight? 12, 13? No, no. Not, not unless there's a there's the money to, to do that. Okay. Uh, to me, standalone is the only thing I could I could you know as a business model be able to be able to sustain. Unless it's like a documentary series or something like that where I can I can go out and, and shoot a bunch At of stuff. And, and, so you're not gonna pull a Vin Diesel? No, no. Fast Nine? No, no, no. Oh. You know, you know. Look, episodic stuff is great. I enjoy it actually even more so these days in movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really am. But yeah. when it comes to making the content, I mean, that's 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 a long period of time. I mean, yeah. you're gonna have to string your yeah. content. It's a long and your, commitment. Yeah. yeah. Now, comedy. You said that you would enjoy comedy. Uh, I do. Now, are you talking about a a, a comedic dramatic production, stand up, uh, directorial? I mean, like, what what would you like to do? So, like, for my my. The comedy that the movie I should say that I, I enjoyed literally the most uh, was a movie called You People. This was a movie that wasn't very well. I mean, in terms of shot, I mean, we, we shot it looked like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I just enjoyed it. It was about a, these board game designers that lose their job because video games are taking over the marketplace. So these guys have to go out and figure out what are they going to do with their lives. Right. And so they 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 stumble upon the idea of the world's most offensive racially charged board game called You People. And so they create this thing, nice. and it becomes a, a surprise hit, mm-hmm. and it just it almost changes the the conversation in the world. There's more racism breaking out. Just when people are starting to get along, there's all this tension. And so the the, the main character is Miss Felix, uh, African American main character of this film. He he has to figure out a way to like kind of stop this. He's created this monster, and he's he's trying to figure out a way to like back it up. And uh, what was so much fun about that movie is that the expectations for it were so low and people just came in and enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. mean, the movie's traveled all over the country, won tons of awards at festivals and has done very well critically. Yes. You know, whereas, you know, you put out a, a movie, it's, it's more of a, like a science fiction or an action. I mean, you, you really have to hit certain bars, you know. So comedy, I think, is a little bit more forgiving. Mm-hmm. And, and filmmakers will say in, in, in the industry, they'll say, oh, car- comedy's so hard. I mean, it is if you're thinking about it from a technical standpoint in terms mm-hmm. of timing and mm-hmm. editing, mm-hmm. and I think you have to have some, some kind of you know, experience with that. Right. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, it's really just trying to find a, uh, an irony that connects people. That's, yeah. that's really something to me, relatable, mm-hmm. relatable, yeah. you know, and comedy is about trust, you know, so you have to be able to set your characters up in a certain way that builds trust. I and mean, that's the reason why, you know, you look at romantic comedies, they're usually stacked with like really famous faces because you already kind of feel like, you know, these people, so you can laugh at a Robert De Niro joke, but if there's just some random person you've never seen before, the trust isn't there, mm-hmm. you know, so you, okay. you, so it's about building that trust with your audience. So I always tell filmmakers that are wanting to work on comedies, you know, make sure you dedicate a portion of your script 
tripped into mm-hmm. doing that. But comedies mm-hmm. to me are, are so much fun. Um, you know, you can go to bed at night knowing that you, you know, you made people laugh and, mm-hmm. and, and the results are instant. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting in a screening room with, with, with the audience, you know right away what they're yeah, thinking. Exactly, nice. it's an instant gratification. Whether or not you like, hit that yeah. mark, you, you know, and you hit the mark or not. Like yeah. Adam said, it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah my first uh, this that movie Territory Eight I was telling mm-hmm. you about. I had a, you know we, we we did a screening of it and uh, silence throughout the entire thing, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god, what oh, you know?" And so you know when the as soon as the credits go up, you wait for that. Yeah, whether or not they're going to throw a, a tomato or they're going to like... <laughs> or what, what's going to happen. And I usually sit in the back of the theater, I always, just so I can kind of see where, yeah. where people see are... See the reaction. Sure. You know, where people are checking their phones yeah. or whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, surprisingly, we had, we had some good, you know, good, some good reviews on that, you know, feedback on that. You know, and it misses Mark on a lot of different levels, you know. But at the end of the day, comedy is, is real my, really where my heart is, okay. so... All right. Well, one quick question, and then we'll go to the shameless plug uh, section okay. of the show. Uh, last uh, podcast, we, we discussed um, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, actually, no, two podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes and how, how um, uh, Brett Ratner uh, said that it's ruining films. What do you think about that? What do you think about review? Legitimate now. I mean, it, there's, there's... This is the, the perfect question for yeah. me today. Because <laughs> yeah. I just read yes. some really awful reviews. Uh, <laughs> now, now, what, what I'm, now, what Mr. Ratner was referring to was, was Rotten Tomatoes, um, IMDb, New York Times, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so legitimate review places, but with an agenda. You know, there is too much freedom. I mean, I believe in freedom. I believe, you know, I'm an American. I believe in freedom. But I think there's the, the voice, uh, people's voices and these organizations and their voices uh, can be very damaging to any kind of business, any kind of creative. First off, we're not curing cancer. You know, this is entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, and, and entertainment is so subjective. And and the way you rate content is really based on a few factors. It's based on your past experience. Right. It's it's based on what you had for lunch that day, and it's really <laughs> based on whether or not you just are having a good life. Sure, you know. Exactly. And, and so if you if you have somebody who watches something and it just strikes a chord with, them. I've watched movies where the first time I watch them. I, I, I like them. And then I'll go back and watch them again. And I'm like, why don't I not like this movie as much? Mm. It's because maybe I was in a better mood that day. Right. And, I, and to me, I really believe it. And people want to argue this all the time. It's so it's about sociology. It's about trying to understand the psyche. It's not a science. So when you get somebody, a critic or something that gives a thumbs down on something, mm-hmm. it, it's completely subjective. But unfortunately, audiences will watch or look at those reviews yes. and base their viewer decisions on those. Yeah. And so like, I'm actually planning to start a campaign on Amazon that's like, let's just start watching two and three star movies. Let's just start watching them because let's see how bad they are. I mean, if they're really bad, that's fine. But but at the end of the day, make those choices uh, for yourself. I agree. You know, instead of watching, reading a critic's review. And I would agree with, with yeah. Brett Radner because the idea of cinema, it's about expression. So, you know, expression is all over the place. It's an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, Hollywood has gotten really good at like making... Roller coaster. They don't make movies anymore. They make roller coaster rides. And yes. I, I know you guys are all comic book people. And so that that's cool. It's entertainment for you. But you know, on on the bigger scheme of things, they're not necessarily making cinema anymore. You know, we're not making films like the movies like Taxi Driver would never be made today unless it was through like Netflix or Amazon. Sure. Yeah. You know, so those those types of films would True. never be made because they're, you know another little caveat to this is that I'm kind of getting away from the whole the whole no, rating no, thing okay. is that Hollywood isn't making movies for us anymore. 
they're making movies for, for their China. Money. Yeah, they're making, they're making oh, yeah. movies for their India, you know, a, uh, South Korea. Uh, so you 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 take the United States. If they were to stop making movies for the United States audiences, it would hurt their GDP very now, very small. Now, very do you little. think Manchester is an exception? Well, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Well, you, the difference is is that you have the platforms, and when I'm talking about Hollywood, I'm not talking about Amazon, and I'm not talking about Netflix. No. These are these are outside players now. Yeah, yeah. But they're filling the void for audiences that are looking for, I guess you know, more cinema, some dramatic, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, something yeah, cinema, so cinema related. So they're going for the critically acclaimed categories. That's where they're filling that void. Yeah. So that's the reason why a lot of, you know, a lot of people will say, why, why do I just like watching Netflix more than going to the movies? Well, it's because those platforms are focusing on that, on that, on, yes. that, on that group. Yeah. So with Hollywood, you know, again, you got to remember there's, there's a new emerging middle class happening all over the world. Right. United States is, you know, we've been here for a while, but there's a new market. I mean, millions of new subscribers are popping up all over the world, mm-hmm. getting access to TVs and being able to stream and internet. So that's where the focus is. You know, I've had some very established producer friends that I know who are actually moving their businesses over there. I noticed that China is starting to become a big player too. I noticed more and more movies now. Are co-produced by China That's or right. like Chinese companies? I'm like, oh, yeah. There's 42 my, production my logos up. before the film. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Somebody's there. Money's well, there. Kelly, that honestly, that that was some information that I wanted, and I, I really appreciate that. That was that was no, very informative. Great. Now, now it's time to put you on the on the, the spotlight. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, again, Kelly Schwartz. This is Indie Film Factory, and I'm going to let him give you all his social information that he can remember. Oh boy! Well, okay. well, you know, Let's so, do the Indie Film Factory so first. Indie, right. indie Film Factory, I N D I E F I L M Factory, F A C T O R Y dot com, and you can we have uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter uh, or, or news list. Uh, I send out free information all the time. We do workshops here, so if you're in the you know Las Vegas area, happen to be in the area, and you want to drop by one of the workshops, do so. We do them on everything from uh, you know directing, producing, filmmaking in general. So. Uh, that's that, and of course the studio is available. We got a big giant green screen. We got sets, you know, and ph- photography, videography, yeah, video. So stills, video, right. And so if you're a still photographer or or even like a video professional, and you don't have your own green screen studio, right. You know, we can we're dirt cheap. And Facebook, uh, you're on all the social. Yes, we are. Facebook, Twitter, yeah. do you have a WordPress? Do you have a WordPress? Well, uh, WordPress blog is built into our website. I it think. is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Instagram, I saw your. It's Director Kelly. Director Kelly. Yeah. At Director Kelly. Yeah, at Director. Okay. Thank you for remembering. I'm like, what do I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am the least like social media. Like I do Facebook. I'm still one of those like old clunky people who don't. That's okay. Social <laughs> network is ruining our. our Just want to let you know yeah, by the way, your, store, your studio so. is awesome. Like, yeah, I, I it, looks like, it, looks like it looks like it's a really nice honestly a cool place to come hang out. Yeah, guys. <laughs> all all we do parties here actually. We have like little industry mixers. You set the bar up. In the back, that that news desk back in the corner, we 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 had no place to put it. So when we did our trailer release party, yeah. we set the literally where you're sitting. Yeah. We put a DJ on there. Nice, and it's like he's like spinning. Nice. It's cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Everybody great. watching on YouTube, all you see is three squinchy guys at a table. Yeah, but this, this is a, a beautiful place, screen. and uh, 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 check in with them now. Uh, now, Alien Domicile, Amazon, Amazon Prime members go. It's it's free. It's free, and as most everything is. 
Although I'm, I question their delivery methods nowadays. They're late. They're late in my deliveries now. Really? With the Prime? Yeah, they're they killing like two me. hours away, I, though, you know, right? Yeah. Don't they have, like, this instant delivery uh, now? I don't know. You, know. you know, check it out. I mean, if, you're, if, you, if you like low-budget science fiction, yeah. hopefully you'll, you'll gravitate to it. You know, definitely give it, a, give it an honest review on, on, on there if you can. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's more than a one or two stars, and we're doing okay right now. But, you know, uh, again, support is, is key for these types of movies. You know, we're not a big studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, having seen the trailer and having seen the film, uh, Alien Domicile it is not what you expect. It's, it's, a, it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's hardworking people making good film, good content. So, so um, get out there, watch it. And yeah, comment on it. I mean, we can't do anything, just like the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we need to hear you folks tell us what's going on. Uh, but uh, uh, Kelly, thank you for that so much. No, thank you. Guys, it's time for Area 52. I'll get through a couple of these. These are really interesting, but I won't take too much time. Um, uh, Area 52, we're dedicated to uh, some interesting, strange, weird, uh, unknown facts about Las Vegas. You may know some of them, especially if you're listening from Las Vegas, but uh, sometimes we don't even know. Uh, when Sammy Davis Jr., and these are actually very controversial, uh, when Sammy Davis Jr., uh, the singer from the Rat Pack, took a swim in the pool at the New Frontier Hotel, which is now gone, and Casino, in Las Vegas in the year of 1952. They drained the pool when he was done because it was whites-only swimming pool. Hmm. Now, now um, That's some gangster stuff right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I have recollections of my father. My father was born in 1921, has some amazing stories. I'm not going to uh, tell you now, but it's just, just shocking and amazing, and, 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 but it's, it's history, so it's wonderful to hear these stories. But to hear this is almost inconceivable for even my generation. Now, I'm the oldest one in the studio, and, and it's still, I, I'm just amazed that that would happen. Now, the later on, the story goes on that Frank Sinatra took care of that, uh, and he said, uh, either you deal with Sammy or we're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, but what an amazing thing. On a related story, uh, Joe Lewis, the boxer, the classic legendary boxer, was part owner of the Moulin Rouge Casino, one of the few casinos to welcome both blacks and whites back when seg- segregation was widespread and, and Jim Crow laws were still in effect. It opened in 1955. Now, several fires later, uh, it was uh, uh, redone and rebuilt in 2010. Unfortunately, it has struggled uh, to, to gain any type of, of, uh, of uh, help. Uh, the, the land is still there. Some structure is still there. But the Moulin Rouge, um, it, uh, it is part of the National Registry of Historic Buildings. Uh, and I don't know if you've have you had an opportunity to see it. I, I have. And yes. I'm quite familiar with that, actually. Yeah. I'm actually working on something related to it. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, anything you can tell us? Uh, it's a novel based, you know, based loosely on, on, that, on that property. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have you come back when it's yeah. done yeah, in, yeah. in 10 or so years. Uh, Two years. Maybe a year. Maybe a year. Oh, wow. So a question. Does that mean that that building can't be uh, demolished like uh, the Binion's horseshoe that we were talking about? It it does. The the laws are, it's gray, and and Kelly might correct me, but when I did the research, uh, it is protected in in some manner. The land, (laughs) of course, is is reserved for that. Uh, But there are structures there that are still viable structures. In fact, they had financing. Uh, but two levels of financing fell through. They're, they're, they're very gray. When you look at the research as far as the financing that has fallen through of late and, and as, as early as, uh, or as recently as 2016, I believe. Um, uh, lots of people getting involved. There, was, uh, um, there were two individuals that, that, that were like within the three days of rescission for the loan process and, and bailed. 
So, so yes, it is protected. They can't just take the balls, the wrecking balls to it. Um, but uh, it's a very interesting story. And gosh, I, I'm very, uh, it's amazing that I picked that, that particular subject. Yeah. So very much look, look for that in a, in, a, in a year or sooner. That's right. Right faster. Yeah. <laughs> right faster. We'll, we'll start a timer just for you. We'll get the, the biggest uh, timer ever. You're going to have to sand pour slowly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The outline's yeah. almost done, so I'm almost Yeah, there. we'll, we'll nice. one of those, those fall down ones. They go, tick, tick. Well, Kelly, again, thank you so much for joining the show. I can't, very impressed. Oh, thank impressed. you. I appreciate it. It is an honor. Thank you. And uh, again, uh, uh, check uh, clickable links for all of you on YouTube. Check in right down here in the lower third area. Uh, thanks to everyone listening and watching. You can catch the Pod Bay Door on the Podbean app or any of your po- favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio. You can watch our show on our YouTube channel, the Pod Bay Door Podcast. Please download, like, and subscribe. And again, please let us know all of the comments. We, we look at those and we, we, we comment back. Our social connectivity screen is coming up. Check in with us on Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress. The pod bay door is closed and talent is out. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning into the show. We would love to hear your show suggestions and comments. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, please click to subscribe. You can also connect with us on Facebook using at PBD podcast on Twitter using at TPBD podcast and on WordPress at thepodbaydoor.wordpress.com.